number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show, where interesting, intriguing, and exciting people engage in unscripted exchanges of ideas, stories, and perspectives. It's not an interview. It's a powerful conversation. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show, where, as usual, I always manage to be so lucky to get guests that are doing really cool things and making a big difference in the world so that we can have a powerful conversation, not just about the work that they're doing, but the world we live in. And today, I am so fortunate to have two guys that I've just recently met who I think are so interesting and so progressive and doing such important work for planet Earth. And they're doing that work with an organization called Ten. Fed. Now, I'm going to let them talk about TenFed, but TenFed is an organization that is literally putting food on the table for families in need. And these are families that we cannot look away from and that we have to recognize that are living next door to us. They're living in our communities. And these are two young chaps who decided at one point in their life that they could no longer just look away and had to do something about it. So they are the founders of Ten, Ten Fed, and their names are Corey McLaughlin and Mike Wallace. Fellas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks for having us. Oh, so glad to have you guys here. And so um, just to put things into perspective, we do have somebody that we both or all three of us know mutually. And um, she thought that we should just get in contact with each other. And I love when I get that in my life um, where somebody says, you know what? I kind of think you guys would vibe. I think you guys should chat. And because I'm a big believer in like the, the universe and the world is, is constantly conspiring to help us do good things. And so when that happens for me, um, more often than not, especially when it comes from a person that I trust in the door, uh, I think, yeah, let's just jump on a Zoom call. And when we did, it was in no time. The two of you, I loved it, were in a car because of some sort of noise thing that was happening. Uh, and we were we just hit it off. And, and we hit it off because uh, it doesn't take much when you, you know, get three men on a, on a line who are chatting about making the world a better place. And that's exactly what you guys are doing. So I'd love to get your perspective. Corey, I'm going to start off with you. Tell me what 10Fed is in your words. Okay. Yeah. 10 fed. It's a social enterprise that Mike and I started about five, six years ago. And, uh, the purpose was to help people. We didn't know exactly what we wanted to do. We did, we hadn't really fully thought it out at the point, but we knew we wanted to help people. And, uh, 10 fed has became our main focus in life. Every item that we sell, we provide 10 meals for people in need around the world. And one third of that stays local in Canada. Um, so for us, it's a way to give back and it's a way to create community, get people involved, get people connected and to help people uh, around the world that need it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now, Mike, when you guys were coming up with this idea, I mean, what were you doing? Sitting around ch eating chicken wings and, and, and drinking <laughs> beer? And you said like, we want to do something or was there, was there a specific moment that happened where you thought that's what we want to do something about? Corey and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, I, I used to work in the corporate world, and uh, Corey was running a landscaping business at the time, and uh, we, we would always chat about, you know, different business ideas, and we, we knew that we wanted to do something, we just didn't really know what we were going to do together. Um, long story short, we went to a, a Tony Robbins seminar in Chicago uh, back in 2014, and uh 
we came out of that super sparked. And from there, we were like, we're going to do something in business, not only to help ourselves and build something for ourselves, but we're going to help people in some way, shape or form. We don't know how that is or, or what we're going to do. Um, but we're going to help people. So we just started brainstorming. I would, uh, I would take the subway over to, to Corey's place after work, after I was done my nine to five and we would just, you know, spitball and throw ideas around and write stuff down on a notepad. And, uh, we came up with this concept that we were going to donate to a portion of our sale to a charity, uh, for every single item that we sell. We, we figured we will start with something very simple like t-shirts, um, we actually had a name for that. That was called Passion 12. We were going to donate to 12 different charities per year. And each month we would do a different design and focus on a different cause. Um, we found out very quickly through that, that that was very difficult to sustain. Uh, reason being, we were basically switching our target market uh, month over month over month. So anytime we would gain some steam from the previous month, we would switch charities and uh, we'd basically have to start from scratch again. Um through that process, though, we actually uh, we were looking to to see who we were going to work with 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 our charities, and uh, we came across a charity in Peterborough. They were called Kids Against Hunger Canada, and they their primary focus was putting food on the table for people who didn't have food. And Corey and I thought that that was an amazing cause, and we thought, you know what, that's. Uh, it's, it's something that's near and dear to our hearts and uh, hunger is not a problem that's going away anytime soon. Unfortunately, there's a lot of hungry people in this world that don't have a meal. And uh, so we made the decision at that point to switch our focus and just laser focus in on providing as many meals as we could to people in need. And we were going to start very simple t-shirts, hats, and then it's branched into it. But basically we have a lifestyle brand now we do, you know, hoodies, caps, toques, candles, water bottles, yoga pants. Um, so we're, we're slowly expanding our line, but that's, that's kind of how the idea came to fruition. It was just two guys sitting in a room, just brainstorming and uh, we came up with this concept and here we are uh, six years later. That's so great. You're like the Gwyneth Paltrow's of, uh, of feeding people. <laughs> so um, in the first place though, now I'm curious, uh, kind of almost going off from the 10 fed thread, if I will, um, Corey, what the hell were you guys going to a Tony Robbins conference for in the first place? What were you looking for when you first chose to jump on a, either a plane or a train and decide to go all the way over there? What, what was, what was it that you were looking for in your life? Yeah. On, so, I mean, any, I think anyone who's going to a, a seminar or conference with that guy, there's something that you're looking for. There's something maybe that you feel like is missing. And I know from, I could speak for myself and saying, uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of fulfillment with what I was doing. And, you know, I, I liked my path. I liked the journey I was taking, but I knew, I just knew that there was something missing. Uh, so, you know, uh, Tony was instrumental early on when I, uh, so I was actually working in the corporate world and, uh, I read a book. I woke up at like 5am and I read, uh, his book, awaken the giant within, mm -hmm. And there was a line early on that just mentioned about, you know, you don't in North America, you don't have to go to work today. If you don't want to, you can do anything you want. And I was like, oh, damn, like, I, I don't want to go to work today. And I want to be doing something <laughs> different. So that sparked me in that moment. I didn't go to work that day. Uh, and I just wrote down a bunch of ideas. I went out, knocked on, you know, like a hundred doors in a, in a few days. And I got some business to open up a landscaping company. So, uh, you know, that for me, why would I go see Tony Robbins? One line in one book 
gave me that inspiration to do something of that magnitude. And I just realized oh, what, what could I gain out of this over an entire weekend? Right. Right. That so makes a lot that, of sense. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Was that the same reason you went? Uh, yeah, I, I read the same book, Awaken the Giant Within. Corey and I read it almost at the same time. And uh, I started doing Tony's uh, audio uh, courses after I read that book. And so I would get home from work. And when I wasn't brainstorming with Corey, I would uh, I would just be doing Tony's, uh, his audio courses. And I always felt so much better after I did a chapter and I wrote down, you know, put my ideas out. And, and I started to get that belief that I can do something else if I really want to. The corporate world, I kind of, I felt like I just kind of fell into that role uh, out of school. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, my dad was always an entrepreneur. So it was something that he, uh, he, he taught me early on, like how, how to run a business. So I had that in me. Um, but I just, I fell into uh, different corporate roles uh, along the way. And then I started asking myself those deep questions, like, what am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Like, is, is this going to take me to retirement? And uh, I started to think about long term and, and say, if, if I'm still doing this when I'm in my 50s or 60s, I'm going to look back with some serious regrets if I don't make a move and do something here. So, um, yeah, that 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 move to go to the Tony Robbins seminar, it was an opportunity that came up. Uh, we got tickets to a, a mutual friend of ours. And uh we, we just went for it. We hopped on a plane, went to Chicago. And the first day there, that, that same night, first day of the conference, we, uh, we were walking on fire, like literally walking <laughs> on like the hottest coals, uh, like straight out of the, the fireplace. And uh, once you do that, it, it kind of sparks something in your brain like, wow, uh, yeah. I can actually do anything that I put my mind to. It's, uh, yeah. it's one of those cliches, but it's true. Um, it, it is so true. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> so I've done the walking on coals with Tony Robbins. So I know I've, I've completely drank the Kool-Aid and I can't even believe this is coming up because I don't think this came up in our very first conversation because I'm sitting here just like wanting to jump right through the, the camera here and give you guys a hug because, um, Awaken the Giant Within is the very first motivational book I ever read. Wow. So it's like, I think it sounds like it's the same thing for all three of us. And, um, and I got to tell you, I mean, he is somebody who's the same thing, completely changed my life. He now is um, speaking about subjects that I find personally have, I've just, I've veered in a different direction, not better or worse, just a slightly different direction. And I still adore everything he does. Um, and yet I was the same thing. It was, I read that book and I'm like, holy shit. Like you're telling me there's choices. Mm. Uh, and, and as I say it, when I read that book, the thing that really struck me was it was the very first time in my life coming from a working class family, you know, immigrant parents, all that stuff that I had read some uh, something where someone had told me that ordinary people could do extraordinary things. And I'd never considered that before because I thought, oh, no, no, you have to be born into an extraordinary family or, or extraordinary circumstances to do extraordinary things. And um, and and to me, and, you know, and I one of my favorite lines that he says when he's um, on stage, he probably said it at your event too, but he starts talking about um, how, you know, he didn't have a university degree, didn't have a college degree and always felt lesser than because of that. And then um, eventually one day he sold one of his companies and it went public. I think he said he made something like $400 million in one day. Right. And he goes, and that when I realized, was when I realized, oh, hold on, I may not have a degree, but I have a fucking PhD in results. Yeah. 
And I thought, what a great way of saying it. <laughs> He's like, that's mm-hmm. they're pretty good results. And, um, and you know, it, I had a, a really wonderful moment a couple of years ago, before pandemic, of course. And um, I was in Las Vegas and I was speaking at a big event. And these were the kind of events that I'd always wanted to eventually get to. And it all started with me listening and uh, doing the tapes with Anthony Robbins. And um, so I had done the speech and it was 2,500 people in the crowd, a great big stadium type uh, theater seating and got the big standing ovation. I felt so honored and it was just fantastic. And I was riding on a high and I walked out. And as I'm walking out, I start chatting with one of the audience members. And just through conversation, she says, by the way, do you know who's performing above you right now? I said, no. And she says, oh, Tony Robbins. And I thought to myself, isn't this crazy? 20 years after reading that book, him and I are performing at the same spot, same time, same audience size in the same building. It was such a cool feeling. I I hope to tell him that someday. Yeah, I was just going to say, did you get it? You didn't get a chance to meet him? No, I didn't. I thought about going up there and I thought, you know what? I mean, I'm going to have to get really clever to get to him and to get through the 2,500 people. But uh I figured, you know what? Just keep on going, Stuart. And eventually, you have, the next stage now is to be on the ne- on the same stage together, right? So, and and that's what it's all about. You guys just decided to go and do this. And I'm curious, when you decided to do it, what were some of the either fears that you may have had, or the imposter syndrome we always know pops up? Like, who the hell do I think I am to do this? You know, what were some of the self doubts that you may have had in starting this? For, for me personally, um, drop, like moving away from that certainty, the certainty of the, the corporate life, the, you know, the steady paycheck, um, just knowing that everything, you know, you're, you're financially stable, everything's going to be okay. And then you, you go from that to the, like your one level of certainty, you go to the ultimate uncertainty. And then two or three weeks into that, I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't have a paycheck coming. Like I'm based, I don't know how I'm going to support myself if this doesn't work. Uh, in a way though, that's great because you, you know, it starts to, you get leverage from that. It's uh, you have to make that work. Uh, when I was taking a, when I was leaving TD, uh, where I worked previous to, to starting 10 fed, um, mm-hmm. I was debating a, a leave of absence, but, uh, there was something inside me that just said, I don't want that safety net there. Um, so knowing that if something went wrong with the business, oh, I can always fall back on my corporate job. I, right. I, I wanted to take that safety net away, that old uh, adage, like burn the boats when you're uh, going to battle on the islands, just burn the boats, you got to win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, that was a, a huge fear for me was that uncertainty. And it, and it took me a while to to learn how to live with that uncertainty. But uh, with that comes excitement and uh, it just, it keeps life interesting. So that was, that was probably my biggest fear right off the hop. People thought I was crazy. They're like, you're leaving this high paying job to do yeah. something that is not guaranteed. And they gave me all the statistics, you know, how many businesses fail in the <laughs> yeah. first few years. And of course, everybody's going to try to give you their advice, but yeah, thankfully I, uh, I put the blinders on and just uh, continued on forward and had to, uh, I knew what I wanted to do deep down. I followed my intuition. And it's, it's the mother of all invention too, as they always say, desperation is the mother of all invention. And, and there's, it's one, I, I always say it's one of the greatest feelings you can have of all time. Like for, for, for me, one of my greatest feelings, and I was just saying this to my partner recently was when, when they, when I'm being introduced on stage and there's that moment where they say, Oh, Stuart Knight is here with us. And he's going to be speaking today. And he's this, 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 and this, and he's written these books, blah, blah, blah. And, but then there's that moment where they say, so ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Stuart Knight. And there's that go time, that moment where it's like, 
they're all, they all just, the entire audience shifts their focus over to you. And you're like, oh yeah, it's me. I gotta, I have to do this now for the next hour. And everyone says, well, I'm guessing after doing it for so many years that you no longer get nervous. I'm like, oh no, no, I totally shit myself all the time. I'm always nervous. Yeah. Uh, and, and as Jerry Seinfeld says, if you ever stop being nervous, it means you stop caring. And for me, it was a case where I realized that uh, there's nothing better than being in a situation where you can't turn back. And it is the most invigorated that you can possibly feel. In fact, I remember a time when I used to be writing musicals and theater shows and people used to always say to me, you know what you need to do? You need to write, uh, try to get grants with the um, Ontario Arts Council and the Canadian Arts Council and all these different councils, which I think is actually great. I, I think that everyone needs a little bit of a leg up from time to time. But I remember saying to this one woman one day after hearing it for the 50th time, I said, you know what? My concern is that if I just do that and I get money from the government and then I get them to give me the money to go put on my play, that all I'm going to become good at is writing grants. And I don't want to become a great grant writer. I want to become a great theater writer. And so if I can only make a dollar by making it so that people have to put their bums in seats, if I have a, a handicap, I'm never going to write as good as I will where it's it, it all comes down to me. And so... It sounds like that's what that's what you guys did, and 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 that that's I love I love that. Um, Corey, was it uh, similar for you? Like, what were you thinking? You know, you, did you, you had a landscaping business? You were, I'm sure, you know, paying the bills, doing well enough. And what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh my God, what am I doing here? No, I honestly I wasn't thinking that. I think being naive actually was a blessing in disguise, but. I, I was doing really well with the landscaping company and a lot of people thought I was crazy for letting that go and jumping into an industry and a business that I had no idea about. I didn't know anything about apparel and, and social enterprise. So um, I, I was a little bit naive in jumping in with, I, I didn't feel any fear at that moment. I felt so good about letting the other business go, knowing that it, it wasn't serving me anymore and I needed to move on. And I loved that I was going into this new business. And I felt I was 100% certain that it's just going to work out. Uh, my 100% certainty was like, it's going to work out within the next four to six months. And we're going to be living on a beach in California and making a ton of money. Right. Um, so that's where, you know, I, the, 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 that level of being naive, essentially, mm -hmm. it really projected me forward into that. And I didn't really feel any fear. I think the fear started to set in, <laughs> to set in <laughs> when I realized like, oh my God, this is a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> right. And now I started questioning things like, how long is this going to take? Mm -hmm. You know, what are we doing with our, with our lives, with our business? Right. Um, but yeah, so basically like, no, the fear wasn't there at the beginning, but yeah, it's the naivete. Yeah. Um, so over to you, Mike, what would you say then? Cause back on to, uh, backing onto what Corey just said, uh, you know, perhaps you have these pipe dreams of this all coming to fruition in four to six months. And now you're six years in so far to this date, what has been, you know, one of the biggest challenges, because obviously you've got this big apparel line and mm -hmm. within this big apparel line, you've got, uh, you know, you can buy hoodies and t-shirts and, 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 and hats and candles, as you say, you name it. And a percentage of it all goes to uh, raising money to put food on the table for these needy families. Yeah. Along that line, for you, what has been the biggest challenge? 
Um, I, I guess just figuring it out as we go along the way. There, there's no manual for this. There's no uh, book that you can open and just read and, and have all the answers for you. So um, it's it's learning through failure. And right. uh, that's that's like a huge part of this for us. Um, even going back to before we were 10 fed, like I mentioned uh, before, we were passion 12. But um, that was challenging. That, those first four months, that was a huge eye opener for us. We Because like Corey said, we were so confident confident in this when I was talking to my my former colleagues at TD and and they were uh like looking at our projections and they were like really are are, are you sure that you like you're going to be in this position now, we Corey and I were both so certain we were like oh yeah 100 like we know how this works trust me um so yeah just uh that that was a huge eye opener right off the hop and uh, yeah and it, it's good that it happened in a way because it, it kind of it forced us to change directions and, and that's what led us to become 10 fed uh right like first off it uh, our, our old idea, it wasn't so tangible in the sense that we we could tell you, we knew what cause we were working with, but we were saying a percentage of the sale goes to a certain cause. And so when people would question us on that, we were like, uh, like, what, what does that do in, in, in the charity? And we're like, well, I'm, I'm not too sure with this particular one, like, cause, cause some of these charities are so massive and uh, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through to get money to the right place. So with this, it was like, yeah, like uh, it's very tangible what 10 fed does. So um, even those first few months that, that failure was huge for us uh, in determining that uh, we're going to need to pivot. Uh, we, we launched our first business thinking it's going to be online and we're just going to be cruising to fast forward a, a little while later and we rebrand as 10 fed we start doing events on the ground and we say yes to everything street festivals little tiny little markets where we'd sit there for an entire sunday and and get maybe 10 people come through the door to to mm -hmm. try to sell our stuff to them it's like uh, you see all the all the other entrepreneurs and they were waiting for someone to come in it's just like everybody's on them like okay there's one there's, let's get them yeah uh, so it was uh it was quite the uh it was quite the learning process right off the bat. And, uh, it's, it's led us to, to learn how to adapt and to kind of change things on the fly. Uh, okay. in business, as you know, you, you have to constantly be adapting and changing directions and, and, and just learning as you go. And that's, yeah. uh, that was a huge thing for us was just learning through failure. Yeah. As long as, and that's the key, right? As long as you can keep your head above water, I've always found long yeah. enough, uh, to not drown, then you just take the lesson that you learned last year and you keep applying it to the lessons that you'll learn in the in the future. And eventually you look back and you're like, damn, I, I actually know some stuff now. I, and, and, and you get to start making decisions faster and more accurately, which is a great feeling. Um, Corey, for you, what have you learned about the world of apparel? Any surprises there? Like, cause I mean, I, I, I've, I've, the most I've ever done is like produce a few t-shirts for some of my events. So, and even then I find myself, you know, handing it off to my partner, she takes care of everything. So what, uh, what, what did you learn in the whole world of apparel? Oh man. Yeah. It's been, it's been a ride. I mean, when we first jumped into it again, we didn't know what we were doing. So we, mm -hmm. we jumped into Hey, what's a cheap t-shirt that we could get? And then we could feed kids and we just picked a shirt without really knowing a whole lot about it. And I had friends reaching out saying, Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for the shirt. Uh, it is now a belly shirt. Uh, so maybe I can give that to my wife or whatever. Uh, but you know, we, we slowly started to learn about the material and the stretchiness and whether it was pre-shrunk or whether, you know, cotton mixed with polyester, all the different materials. Um, and we started to realize what worked and what didn't. 
and whether people felt comfortable in it or not, we just started to figure these things out again, like through trial and error, failure. Uh, Did you, uh, did you guys ever think to yourself that, well, I mean, we're raising money for families in need who no one's going to give a shit about what the shirts are like or what the hats are like. They're going to be just doing it for the charity. And as long as it doesn't, you know, fall apart uh, or from the get go, were you guys thinking, no, no, we have to have a high quality brand here. No, that it, you just nailed it. it. It really honestly was just like, hey, people have to love this idea. They have to love this idea. We would go <laughs> out to all these retail stores and just be like, we're going to bat, we're going to bat a thousand. We're going to, we're going to get every single person we talk to has to love this. And it, well, okay, go figure. It was like 95% of people were like, Hey, well done. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me know when your brand is grown and you figured your stuff out. And right. uh, it just, we realized we need good quality. We have the branding has to be spot on. Mm-hmm. So it's been a six year, six and a half year process to get to where we're at with quality, <laughs> you name it. So I, I saw you laughing there too, Mike. Were you thinking the same thing, which is like, oh, oh no, we're exactly. such good guys. Absolutely. We went we went on a Queen Street run where we uh, we hit up every single retail store on Queen Street. And we were thinking like, how are we going to manage all these orders that we're going to get like, <laughs> after we make the up and down? And we spent an entire Saturday going up and down and uh, we got one store out of that and we got it at the very end of the day. And uh, it was uh, it was a humbling experience to say the least. But uh, we started to realize that, yeah, like it's uh, it's almost like the chicken and the egg. Like uh, people would always be like, well, you're not quite ready, but like to be ready to get to that point, we, we need a retailer. We need someone to take a chance on us like that. And and luckily we found a great partner uh, that day and uh, it it led to other partnerships with retail stores. And we've done pretty good in in the retail space. Um, We're not into any big box stores or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We mostly have our stuff into boutiques, but, but yeah, like, like Corey said, we thought we were going to buy a thousand. We were so confident with this idea. We're like, they have to buy clothing anyways. Like they're yeah. obviously going to buy it uh, with some sort of social cause behind it. Oh yeah. I, I remember when I produced my very first uh, sneak peek, high energy motivational video for a high school show that I had written years ago. And I thought the way it used to work is that you'd put advertising out to the high schools and you'd say, Hey, we've got this really great show. Uh, send us an email and you can order our um, free sneak peek video. And then brilliant me said, well, why not just cut to the chase? Why not just send the video to 700 schools in the GTA and surrounding area? And my thought was, as soon as they pop this little bad boy in back then into the VCR, they're going to watch this and they're going to go, oh my God, how can we not have Stuart Knight and his troop come forward to our school? So I spent Three thousand five hundred dollars, which is almost every dollar I had in the bank back then, and I and I, uh, I we hand wrote. We couldn't even print the labels. We hand wrote uh, seven hundred labels, front and back, for all these cassettes. And then we packaged every single one of them. And I'd take garbage bags filled with them. I'd go to the, the to the to the postal office, and I'd have these lineups of people who wanted to kill me. So I'd always do like fifty at a time, putting them through. And uh, I think I got a phone call out of the seven hundred school. I think I got like three phone calls, and it wasn't even enough to cover. I, I, back then, I was charging like five hundred dollars a show, so I, I made fifteen hundred dollars off of what would be like a thirty-five hundred dollar investment, and about. 500 hours of time and it's just (laughs) you think but i I thought well i'm going to send 700 out 
I'm going to probably get half for sure. I'm going to book 350 shows. I'm going to make whatever, $150,000. And, uh, and it's humbling. You're absolutely right. You know, yeah. I just read the, uh, I just read the, the story about, you've probably read it yourself, but I think it's so fascinating for anyone who's not listening or watching this about the woman who started Spanx. And she started Spanx uh, with one day when she was going to a party and she wanted to wear pantyhose to keep her her butt nice and firm and in place. And she also wanted to wear um, flip-flops. And so she couldn't wear pantyhose with flip-flops. So she just cut the feet out of the pantyhose and put the pantyhose underneath the white pants, these nice long white pants she was wearing. Well, she goes to the event and they kept riding up on her knees because that's the way pantyhose would without feet. And, um, but she loved the way that she looked. Well, that was the idea for Spanx. So she invents, she goes, what if I had something like this that was actually more of an underwear type of thing? So she invents it and she starts going to all kinds of different distributors and, and, uh, and, and wholesalers and, and textile uh, operators. No one wants to hear what she has to do. She thought for sure, I'll go to the first one. And after going to like, I don't even know yet, the story always seems to be 50 or 100 or whatever, the uh, the textile distributor that actually took a chance on her only did because he had gone home after hearing her pitch that day and was having dinner with his family and was jokingly telling the story about this idea this woman had. And he has two daughters who are older and they're like, dad, you have to do that. Women would love it. And sure enough, it was only because his daughter said that, that he uh, wow. decided to take it on. And that woman just, I think, became the first self-made billionaire. Uh, yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, yes. I follow her on social and she's, uh, she's it's inspiring. Uh, it really her, is. Where she came from and her story. Yeah, I've, like I watched her on Shark Tank. She was guest, uh, guest shark a few times and it's, oh man, she's uh She's the real deal. Uh, she certainly is. Very, very inspiring watching her. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys now have come to this point where, all right, you've, you've had a learning curve. You realize that not everyone's going to take your brand just because you're good people. Uh, you realize you got to have a high quality product, a high fashion product. And uh, if anyone goes through uh, the 10 fed, uh, com, they yeah. will discover that uh, you will see like some really cool hip stuff. I've got a, a 10 fed shirt and as somebody who likes fashion, when I go through the website, I was going through it earlier on today. There's lots of really cool hip um, items that, that anybody who likes fashion would wear. So you've got there, you've learned a few things. What have you managed to accomplish so far? Corey, you go first. Give me, give me a stat. What do you, what do you, what have you done so far? Well, we're, we're nearing uh, half a million meals provided, which, you know, if we, if we fire back to six years ago, we still have the images of us holding up the signs at events that says 800 meals, you know, <laughs> and then 1500 meals. And we were super excited about it. Like every, every single meal matters. Like every single morsel of food that gets to go into someone's belly is super important, uh, you know, potentially for their survival that day or the next day. Um, and so that stat, uh, because we can easily get lost in the mix of business and, and mm -hmm. needing to hit certain numbers to, for us to stay alive and for us to, you know, make ends meet, um, we can get very caught up in all that kind of stuff, but half a million meals, uh, there's no doubt that that's the most important stat that we have right now. Half a million. That's incredible. Now give me something anecdotal 
Uh, you're out there, I'm guessing from time to time, you've had a chance to meet some of the families who have benefited from the work you've done um, or uh, through a certain number of degrees of separation, the people whose lives you've influenced. Are there any stories that pop up for you or uh, a way in which that you have had an impact on the lives of somebody else? Well, I, yeah, just uh, in, in doing a lot of live events, uh, when we first started 10Fed, we were doing, like I said, we didn't, we didn't say no to anything. We did every single uh, live event, trade show, uh, street festival, you name it. And there's countless times where, uh, you know, we talk to thousands of people per weekend and uh, pitch our brand, tell, tell, tell them what 10Fed's all about. And countless times we had people uh, listen to our 10 second elevator pitch and you'd see a tear roll down their face immediately. And, uh, and they would explain a story like uh, of how they were homeless or how they were, they had a very, very rough upbringing and uh, it hits home with them right away. They might not be uh, the benef- benefiting from the, those meals, particularly from our charity, but to, to talk to someone about, uh, you know, not knowing where their next meal is coming from. Very emotional um, experiences at these events when we, when we would talk to someone where you could tell immediately where it really hit home. And they, mm. they said, thank you so much. And they are so grateful for, for the two of us that, that have this, this social enterprise where we're trying to help as many people as we can. And, and often they would just say like, yep, okay, I'm in. And they would throw their money down on the table. They wouldn't even have a product picked out yet. They just say, I am 100% in. I'm supporting you guys. I'm going to tell everybody I know about this. That is so heartwarming to, uh, to have those experiences. And we're very grateful to have, uh, like I said, it happened, uh, it happened quite frequently. And uh, often you get lost in the everyday, the day-to-day business stuff, like uh, cash flow stuff, financial stuff, production uh, fulfillment, shipping, like all the stuff that you need to focus on to make sure the business runs properly. But what we tend to, when you get caught up in that stuff, you tend to forget the impact that you're making. And and it's those experiences that remind you when you run into someone like that, where it's truly done. So someone has helped them along the way and you can see the gratitude in their eyes. And, uh, it really reminds you like why we started this in the first place. And it's mm-hmm. to help as many people as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, you need that little reminder every once in a while. So it's yeah. nice. It's nice. Very grateful for that. And, Stuart, and, and Stuart, I want to say uh, recently we had the chance to go to uh, Peterborough to actually pack 10,000 meals with a partner of ours, uh, the cider festival, Toronto cider festival. And it was a really cool experience being there, packing the meals. We've done it a, a bunch of times over the six years, but uh, what was standing out about this particular one was that a man that's been on the ground in Haiti for years and years and years, he's the guy that a lot of this food will get shipped down and he'll go and make sure it gets to all the communities in Haiti um, where it's needed the most. And this man just so happened to be back in Canada on this day that we were packing food and he was at our event and it was this moment for uh, for us I'm sure Mike would feel the same way but he sat there and just started telling some stories about being there in Haiti and seeing these people who are suffering and the families and while he was telling that story to us to about there was about 30 of us standing there listening uh he started crying he started breaking down and you could see the sincerity and the authenticity in how much he cared for the people that he was seeing in Haiti. 
he sees people die. He sees people suffering. Um, so listening to that story and listening to that tone that he had and watching his tears roll down his face, it had everybody. We all, we all felt the same way. And we were just, we were grateful to be there packing that food, right. knowing that it's going to end up in the right spot. So oh, what a beautiful experience. And as you say, it's not one that ends up happening all the time. I, I remember the very first time I did a really big motivational speech and you're just starting out and you're thinking all you have are your thoughts and your thoughts are, I think this is having an impact on people. I think that this is going to lead people to create some positive change, but you never know. Mm -hmm. And that day I had done this uh, keynote earlier in the morning, around 10 o'clock in the morning. And then it was around three o'clock in the afternoon. One of the students from the university who had been in the audience came up to me and pulls me aside. And she says to me, she's like, I just want to let you know that um, this summer I was thinking about committing suicide and I was uh, not wanting to come to school. And um, I didn't think there was anybody out there that would understand me. I didn't think uh, anybody would care. I didn't think there was even a reason to keep going. And she said, you know, because of your speech, I see the world through completely different eyes. I'm so pumped to be in school now. I'm so pumped to be going. And, and I always know that I'm only one cog in the wheel. I don't, I don't take credit for all of it. But in that moment, it was this kind of almost weird realization. And on some level, it was, it was an oh shit moment because I was like, oh shit, now I got to do this for the rest of my life. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I'm only, I'm only 20 years old. I wasn't, or 21. I didn't know. I, I just kind of thought it'd be a cool job to do while I was in university. I didn't just like, now here I am 48 years old going, still doing it. And it's crazy uh, to, to, to realize that at such a young age, but it's exactly that. Once you take that drug of making a difference and having a positive impact in the life of somebody else, you don't want any other drug. It's the only drug you ever want for the rest of your life. And you do it for free if you had to, or you would do it if you had, and even if you had to go back to your corporate life, you would still always have a foot in that door um, because you know how important it is. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like Tony Robbins says that the secret to living is giving that, that, that statement is just always rung so true uh, personally and, and with what we do with 10 fed. Cause it feels so good. Like you just, you just, I love that story. Uh, you don't realize often the impact you're making until someone does, you know, tell you a story like that. You're like, mm -hmm. wow, that's incredible that I yeah. didn't realize that we were doing that, that much good. Like you, like you said, you think you are, your thoughts are like, Oh, I mm -hmm. think we're doing good, but mm -hmm. yeah, you, you don't, until you see something like with your own eyes and uh, it doesn't hope you are. seem real. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I actually quite often will tell people with respect to what we're saying here to not forget to do this on a micro level with the people that you have relationships with, because, you know, you think I'm pretty sure my partner thinks I'm pretty awesome. I, I'm pretty sure my partner thinks I'm a great dad, uh, but I want, I would like to hear it. And, and just even, even though you, you, you probably know that they think that, uh, it's so nice when your partner says, Hey, I just want to let you know, I just love how great you are with the kids and, or, or to a friend, I just want to let you know, I love how you ask me questions about my life every time we go out for dinner. Um, and it doesn't matter who the person happens to be. If we were just to, sh to let people know, it then just confirms what it is that they kind of assumed was the case, but to me, it makes them feel so much better to actually hear it. Now I'm curious and I, and I know I've got a few questions left before I let you go, but, um, so here we are talking about 
drinking the Kool-Aid of making the world a better place. And of course, we all know it comes with such great struggle um, and, and lots of questioning and lots of wondering whether or not we've done the right thing. However, knowing that uh, it is so gratifying, why don't more people do it? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that we're all naturally concerned about our own well-being and making sure that we're doing what we need to do for ourselves. And it's super important. Like you really, you know, the the cliche, if you don't fill up your own cup, then you can't go and share with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people do naturally, including myself, like we get caught up in our own worlds and doing what we need to do. Uh, I think when, like you said, Stuart, once you do experience, even if you're caught up in your own world, having that one moment with that, that girl that came up to you, even though you were thinking you had the wheels spinning about, am I doing this right? Does it make a difference? I like, you have all the thoughts going on. You're worried about yourself as we all do. And then she comes up and says one thing to you. And that, that relief that you feel that love that you feel that connection that you feel that's more important than any money that's more important than the all the stuff that you were telling yourself with your thoughts you just had a real moment where someone just said you just helped me that is the most gratifying thing in the world because not only did it just get you out of your head to see reality and the difference that you're making um but you know it's just knowing that somebody feels better and their life may have changed because of something you did or said or whatever that that's it. Like that, you just know that's the moment. And yeah. You want more, and you want more of those, not, so, not for yourself, but for those people. And I guess, I guess if anything, it's just like other people just have to, to just take a sip of that Kool-Aid and, and get a feeling. And just, even if you were to go and organ, uh, volunteer for, like you said, if somebody who's out there volunteering with you guys, putting 10,000 meals into packages on the same day, and then ends up being one of those 30 people who hears the story from that person from Haiti, well, that person at that moment has drank a certain level of that Kool-Aid. I can imagine that they're going to want to get more involved and whether they're going to want to start their own uh, charity is, is one thing. It might just be like, no, I'm going to just dedicate myself to being someone who works in a soup kitchen once, once a month. And that could be it. And for anyone who's listening or watching this right now, I would encourage you to know that you don't have to do the things that the two of you have done in order to make a difference. Uh, It's wonderful if you have, but at the same time, there's no shortage of people out there who are really busting their ass to try to do good things who would very much welcome you into their world to to help them and to canvas for them and to stuff packages or whatever it happens to be on their behalf. So um, I think a lot of people, they, they, they won't even start because they think, oh, well, I have to be the person who runs a company and quit my job. Uh, while those stories are really inspiring, it, it's not absolutely necessary. Um, but it seems like one of the things I keep hearing from you guys, and I'd, I'd like to touch on this before we go, is the problem, I think, sounds like would be surprising to more people than we think, meaning that there you are when you were first starting out, and you had people coming up to you and getting a tear rolling down their face because they're saying, you know, at one point they know what it's like to not have have had a meal or not know where the next meal is going to come from. And here you are probably standing there looking at them going, wow, it doesn't make sense. You're, you're articulate, you're educated, you're well-dressed. 
you're you're not the person I would have put into the category of somebody who falls into a place of not having a meal. So tell me quickly, I've got two questions for you, but tell me quickly, what is um what's like what have been what have been the, some of the surprises? How bad is the problem um uh, that, that you've seen with respect to hunger or people not having access to a daily meal? Yeah, it's uh it's your you you what you just said is is spot on i think and and that's it when you don't actually see it with your own two eyes you don't realize how uh how bad it is for some people and it's one thing to hear about it or read about it you know on the internet and the news wherever um but to see it with your own eyes i was fortunate enough to uh i went on a pretty uh it was almost a year uh traveling experience that i had i went all over europe i went to australia thailand new zealand um, but through, through the, like traveling to different countries, um, seeing the amount of poverty, uh, when you go to certain areas, uh, was a huge eye opener for me and, uh, really, uh, made me feel very grateful that, uh, I have, you know, I have what I have back home and I had, uh, I had an upbringing where I had food on the table and I didn't have to worry about my next meal. Um, but seeing and, uh, like live living and, and staying in some of these communities where, uh, it, it was very rough, like rough conditions. And, uh, when you see it with your own two eyes, that changes things. Cause you think, wow, man, I, I could, there, a lot of people are just born into this experience. I could have mm-hmm. just as easily been born into one of these experiences where, you know, I, I don't, I don't know where my next, my next meal is coming from. And and that's sad. That's, uh, that's, that's not obviously a good place to be. And uh, it just, it makes you more grateful, but, but again, it also sparks you at the same time. Uh, Mm -hmm. You you touched briefly on just doing uh, something, drinking the Kool-Aid, even just a little bit, you don't have to start a social enterprise business, but Mm -hmm. even just doing like a random act of kindness, Corey and I are in a group with uh, a bunch of uh, fantastic individuals. And we started this thing called random act of kindness Fridays, where we'd all just go out and, and do something nice for someone. Uh, We actually ended up calling it intentional acts of kindness because we were going out and doing it with true intent. Um, but just, just that alone of, of doing something, you know, giving, giving someone on the street, uh, some food or, uh, some, some money to get some food. It's, uh, it goes a long way and, and you don't realize in, in the moment that it's such a small thing for you, but it probably has uh, made a very, very positive impact on their day. So, I mean, you, anything, any small acts, they count, they all count, yeah. holding the door open for someone, smiling at someone, telling them, you know, they look nice today, just mm-hmm. anything to make someone smile. It's uh, goes a long way. And, and Stuart, just to touch on this too, is uh, you actually brought this up. Um, but even it, like you don't have to go start a social enterprise, but to go through some of these moments and hear some of the stories and like Mike said, to see some of that poverty. Um, if you even come back to your home and you have a little bit more compassion and understanding for your kids or your wife or your husband, your partner, whoever it is, and you're just a, more, a little more attentive to them even and, and right. even more attentive to yourself and just being thankful when you sit down, to, even on your own, to eat a meal and just be like, this is incredible. You know, uh, that gratitude yeah. can go a long way to how you uh, your energy uh, goes out into the world. So that's a great uh, way of putting it. I love that. My friend, Joy McCarthy, who's uh, a big Canadian nutritionist, and she uh, always tells me and reminds me about the importance that when you eat your food to actually close your eyes and to imagine where it actually came from and the process by which it got into your mouth. And I seemed so obvious and yet I had never done it before. And she said, imagine the seed 
growing in the soil and then it being watered by mother nature, by rain, and then it eventually growing. And then of course, through the whole process of that, let's call it corn growing or that bell pepper growing. And then eventually it gets shipped on a bloody whatever truck to a grocery store. And then you, I mean, if you actually start tracing it back to its beginning, all of a sudden you start having this reverence for this food in your mouth. And it, she says, it'll taste better. You'll have greater gratitude for it. And it's uh, it, it's a wonderful feeling. And I think that what we're talking about here is we're talking about presence, being present, being aware. And, and, and as you say, Mike, walking through the streets of some of these places that you've been through, being aware that these individuals uh, didn't choose to be here, don't want to be here, and would would and that and to know that you have the ability to change that person's life in some way. Uh, I too have have traveled a lot, and and um, I've I've seen this in a lot of places. The place I've seen it most would be India, and I remember when I'd be coming home from uh, places in downtown Mumbai at like nine ten o'clock at night when the streets are slowing down. And you'd see, of course, everyone's laying down their 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 carpet, laying down their their towel or blanket because they're going to bed now on the street and on the um, on the sidewalk. And if you saw one person doing that in Toronto, you probably wouldn't think too much of it. Whereas in India, it's like you got you have to try to find a spot on the sidewalk, right? Um, because most of them are taken. And then you walk by that, and so you consciously look at that and you think, "Wow, that's crazy." And then just ten steps later you're literally jumping out of the way of three or four major rats that are the size of a cat. And you're thinking, wow, not only do they have to sleep in the streets, but these rats are going to be all over them throughout the night. And I look at that and I think to myself, okay, humanity, I think we can do a little better than this. I think that we can raise our game because uh, uh, I, I certainly don't believe that somehow I just won the, 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 the better cosmos lottery ticket uh and that uh, someone didn't i think that um it's there, there's room for for us to improve this in fact that was one of my questions well, maybe i'll make this the let's see how we're doing on time yeah i'll make this the uh one of the very last questions and i'm curious what do you think being kind of so much closer to the the world hunger situation that um, the most people what would you say that needs to happen in order for there to no longer be a need for your organization that's an incredible question, man. Uh, yeah, and it's one that we've thought about even from the very beginning. We, mm-hmm. we realized that our business shouldn't even exist. Right. Like, uh, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have, and we're thankful for the growth and the learning and, and the connections, the community. But yeah, we shouldn't exist. This is mm-hmm. not the way that the world sh- should be. I shouldn't say that. It is the way the world is. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Um, but we, we would love to be able to dive much further than where we're at now and be able to come up with more rooted systemic solutions rather than the Band-Aid that we create right now, which is still very useful and very important. Um, but we, yeah, it has to go right down to the, the core root of the way that society is structured. And I don't want to go so far down that rabbit hole right now, but that is the important factor in my opinion is like we we really have to create a better way of of running a society and and i mean the entire world and mm-hmm. that's not going to happen overnight so yeah. if we can be a catalyst for the you know part of a catalyst uh, for the beginning of that change then that's great amazing what do you think mike yeah uh just very similar to what Corey just said but uh if if you can can actually ins- like have 
different companies or, or uh, causes or uh, organizations going into these communities to help set up the sustainability. So having organizations uh, dedicated to providing clean drinking water and uh, to teaching them how to, how to, you know, to grow crops and, uh, and, and to live off the land uh, in a sense. But um, like there's, there's enough issues in the world that I, I like, there's so many opportunities for social enterprise um, to, to continue to grow. Like I know it's they're, they're more and more popping up and it's fantastic to see. Um, and, and yeah, like even when we see one providing food to, to different communities, we don't look at it as competition. We look at it as that's amazing because uh, more people should be getting involved with this. And uh, we would just encourage people to, uh, you know, if you if you want to start a business or if you're you already have a business, but to find a way uh, to, to continue to to give back and help these communities um, because it is alarming. It is uh, it is concerning that there's still so much poverty. Uh, in the world. And, and like Corey said, like, we really shouldn't exist as, as a business. Uh, there's enough resources and enough, uh, you know, technology out there to, uh, you know, to help these communities. So it's that, that example you just gave of, of people sleeping on the street, that that's a great eye opener of like, yeah, mm-hmm. this should not be this way. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, and it's something that I think, I think more and more companies are starting to, to kind of get on board, but it's going to take drastic change across the entire uh, business world. And that's not focusing on the almighty dollar and, and focusing more on, yeah, you, you can be profitable and you can make a lot of money, but at the same time, you can also uh, give back and, and help a lot of these communities at the same time. You can do both. Um, right. So I, I think that's, it's that mindset that has to shift in that way of, uh, let's find a way to, to, to make this work. And, and I think we can get to a lot of progress if we all put our heads together. No question. There's more than enough food to go around. There's more than enough money to go around. And uh, I think that you're, you're right. Corey is um, pulling an audible for good reasons because we could do an entire other podcast on uh, the disparities between rich and poor and uh, yeah. the, our ethics systems and morality. So um, we'll save that for the next one. So um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to close it here, but before we take off, um, there's all the obvious things, and I'll say them right now. Anyone who's listening to this, uh, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it literally is a no-brainer. You, you, you finish this, and then you go over to 10fed.com, and you buy yourself a goddamn toque. <laughs> or, you, or, you, or you buy yourself a shirt, or you buy yourself whatever. And you get to then wear some you know, cool threads, uh, or you get a nice smelling candle or, or whatever. You get these, something great within your uh, in being brought into your life that is going to add value to your personal life. And at the same time, something that is going to, of course, uh, do more than that and add value to the lives of somebody else. So that would be the first and foremost. I encourage everybody who's listening to this to go out there and, and, and to purchase something. I did, and I love, and I love my shirt. Um, but beyond that, uh, and we'll be putting all the, uh, all the links in the thread, what do you want people to do? How can people help you? Is it about the idea of getting you into more retail stores? Is it about the idea of someone who's listening to this and says, I want to get a t-shirt for everybody in my company? What, what are you aiming for? Because I know you've got lofty goals. You want to get millions and millions of meals out there. What, what, are you, what are you asking for most often these days or looking to achieve most often these days? Well, you just kind of nailed it there, Stuart. Um, where we've been really uh, gaining traction and, and putting a lot of focus is into uh, 
corporate partnerships where we're providing, uh, let's say, company uniforms or uh, client Christmas gifts to to large organizations where we're selling uh, a large number of products all at once, which in essence donates a lot of meals all at once. I mean, it's it's fantastic uh, to have the, the support online and have people buying online. But where we're really seeing a true massive impact is through those types of partnerships. So we've got a, a corporate giving or corporate partner uh, tab on our website where we do a lot of corporate co-branded swag for people. So we'd have like their brand and our brand uh logos on the shirt somewhere, co-branded candles, co-branded water bottles. Uh, so we're really, really gaining traction there and, and making a huge impact as a result of that. Um, and then we're also in the process of offering a platform. Uh, often these companies will approach us and want to do some co-branded swag and we'll, we'll make it for them and, and provide it to them. But then we've, we've found that there's a bit of a gap where they don't necessarily know how to sell it once they get it uh, or, or like they're, they're spending their time running to the post office every day, shipping out like one or two uh, products as they sell them. We're going to provide a platform for these uh, companies to sell this co-branded swag and take care of all the back-end fulfillment. So really what we're trying to do is create a turnkey solution where companies can come to us, uh, get involved in our feeding program, get some really cool co-branded swag, and we'll actually even provide the platform uh, to sell it on as well and take care of all the back-end that they would have to deal with on their own if, if not. Hurt. That's a no-brainer again. You know, it's funny. One of the things that's dri- dri- driven me crazy over the years is being a corporate speaker. I go to the event, I do the keynote, and sometimes I get to stick around. And I'll see 500 people in the audience all wearing a color-coordinated T-shirt that is commemorative for that day. And I instantly know that that T-shirt at most is going to become maybe a T-shirt they wear to bed at night after this event and it's 500 t-shirts sometimes 2000 t-shirts why not get a cool t-shirt one that is uh the one that keeps you uh united throughout the day and it can have the same color and you can still achieve the same goal but at the same time one that people then want to wear after and then the corporation comes and just buys 500 of those t-shirts from you or a thousand of those t-shirts from you it makes complete sense and we and we always do say like we want to create items for these corporations that people are going to wear continuously. Like you don't want to create something that they're going to put on for that one event or that one day and then wear as a nightgown. You want them wearing that out every day, every week for the next couple of years until they come back and want more. Uh, totally. that's, that's kind of the point. So that's that makes we- a lot of sense. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, anyone who's watching or listening to this right now, I, I strongly encourage you to at least just follow up and start a conversation just to find out some pricing, to find out ways you can get involved, uh, whether you're going to buy something individually, which is great, or if you can go one step further and bring these guys into your organization. Uh, there are people right now who will not have a meal tonight um, who could have a meal tomorrow if you take that step. So I strongly encourage you to do that. And I want to say how much of a pleasure and an honor it's been to have you guys on the show and to um, be surrounded by two guys who didn't have to do what you do, but chose to do it. And, uh, and I only wish you nothing but the best. I'll be uh, in your corner from now until eternity. And so um, of course, if there's anything I can do, I always will, but uh Congratulations to what you guys are doing and thank you for what you're doing. And thanks for being on the show. And it's been a pleasure. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having us on. And, and uh, yeah, it's just been incredible. We appreciate it. Very great. It's experience. uh, Stuart much appreciated.
My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Always remember, there are so many other podcasts that we do and other videos that we're doing here on themoremore.com. We encourage you to check them out. It's all about the idea of raising your consciousness, making the world a better place, and really solving the human connection crisis, one meaningful human connection at a time. So we have been so happy to be able to have these fine fellows on the show. We look forward to seeing all of you on another show in the near future. Until then, stay safe and lots of love. Bye-bye. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuart Knight Show. We hope you've enjoyed this powerful conversation. People are fascinating, and so are you. And the right questions will prove it. We'll prove it. <laughs>